buckle up your space helmet and stop pestering your sister. It's episode 48 of Welcome to the Hit Show. This week's guests include a brain worm with government ties, Hall of Fame play-by-play broadcaster Eric Nadell, a shark with some very suspicious vegan recipes, and the high road is half a mountain top away. The gas lights finally set the roof ablaze. All my rose-colored glasses have wilted to gray, and I know I'll be ashes before I escape to the high road. It's half a mountain top away. Welcome to the Hit Show. Whoa! Very well done. I'm going to take the high road and not comment on that introduction. How about that? Just kidding. <laughs> I think I was actually singing in a different key than I was playing, and I just sort of I I, I ran out of my pre-written um, opens, yeah. and so I just put that I slapped that together last there night and rehearsed it maybe one one time. Listen, so you're you're getting the as some, the real raw. As someone who couldn't carry a tune if someone strapped it on my back, I have uh, m- mad respect for anyone who can truly sing. So and play an instrument, I can't do either one. So there's that. I also forgot to take out my earbuds, so I have no idea what any of that sounded like. It's probably really bad. I might want to re-record it. Was, it. It, was, it was a little little pitchy. As No, I'm just kidding. It's, I don't know. I don't even know. I don't know enough about music to even critique you. So, well done. Um, okay, so here we are. Still safer at home and kids running around, homeschooling, um, losing our collective minds. Um, anything new baseball-wise to report, do you feel like? Uh, yeah, so this just actually came through the pipe while, uh, I think while I was actually, uh, playing, but there's, there's been an announcement on minor league players. Um, and I'm looking up Ken Rosenthal's tweet right now. Uh, Major League Baseball has announced that it has extended the league-wide initiative of financial, financial support for minor league players through May 31st. They'll be getting $400 a week, which is obviously not, uh, you know, they're not getting rich off of that, but it's enough to keep people alive. So that's good to know that minor league players are at least getting some sort of stipend to stay alive. I think that's the latest news from baseball. Yeah. And I think that's, I think it's important. I mean, I think there, there was so much emphasis put on, you know, minor league player salaries leading up to this, um, before, um, COVID-19. And so I think it's probably, it was, it was important for baseball to do the right thing here. Um, Absolutely. and I think that, you know, it, this doesn't, I mean, I don't think this fixes anything by any stretch of the imagination, but it's the right thing to do at this point in time. No doubt. Yeah. Today was supposed to be the very first oh. major league baseball regular season game played at globe life field. So sad. Um, so sad. Instead now there there have been uh, a few games played at Globe Life Field on MLB the Show. I uh I took the 
the initiative of dismantling the Houston Astros, trading away all of their players, uh, signing a bunch of old legends. So like Bob Gibson and Babe Ruth play for the, uh, the old West Jeff and their home, their home field is the old globe life park. So there's now an, an inter Arlington rivalry with the Rangers. And I got to say, they're doing really great. And they, uh, and, and the new park looks great online. So yeah. That's, so there's that. So there's at least that. Yeah, there is at least that. There is at least that. And it's, it is, it's sad. I mean, it hit me on opening day, just how much I missed it. And then I think today, you know, when I think about how cool it would have been to open up that yeah. stadium and, you know, it's, the weather's going to be relatively nice. I mean, you know, mid sixties and, uh, you know, just to, you know, just opening, there's nothing like opening day. And I mean, yeah. we're going to have it eventually, hopefully. And, but it's just sad that it's not, that it's not now. Yeah. And I guess part of what tempers it for me is that there's the hope that it's, it's not like it's never going to happen. Um, we still have it to look forward to, but yeah, I mean, it's super weird to think that like right now, was it nine thirty? Yeah, right now I'd have been asleep right now, probably still. I had a hair appointment um, scheduled. I had a blowout scheduled for today. I had to cancel it. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, but yeah, you know, later today we'd be at the ballpark. We'd be in the new clubhouse, which I still haven't seen. Um, and we may not see for a while. And, uh, yeah, down on the field, the, the players lining up for the, for the national anthem on opening day is always one of my favorite things. I've got, uh, a series of, I've been at the last five home openers and I've got pictures that are all kind of the, exactly the same, um, from that moment. And, um, yeah, that's all going to have to wait until we don't know when. So, so there's that. Uh, the good news is we have a guest this week, an actual guest, not just a shark with suspicious vegan recipes, but an actual, uh, guest. We have, um, we have Eric Nadell. So let's jump to that audio, shall we? We are here with uh, the voice of my childhood and probably the voice of a lot of your childhoods and adulthoods as well. We have uh, Hall of Fame radio play-by-play announcer Eric Nadell joining the show today. Hello, Eric. Welcome to The Hit Show. Thanks for having me. Hi, Levi. Hi, Emily. Hey, Eric. So um, we, I've been watching with with great uh, entertainment. The um, You've been doing play-by-play of... Of people's children you know, jumping in leaves or swinging at wiffle balls in the backyard, and um, I'm, I'm curious how. Besides that, how are you? How are you staying sane right now? <laughs> it's actually been a lot easier than uh, I thought it would be. You know, I'm seeing this as kind of a preview of retirement, and I'm doing a lot of the things that I've always said I would do and and never done. I'm taking yoga classes online. I am making sure that I meditate for at least 15 minutes a day. Uh, I'm reading novels. And I actually even cleaned out my closet in my bathroom and reorganized things. And now that I'm done with that, uh, I might become dangerous. I'm not sure. <laughs> sounds You're living your best life is what you're doing. <laughs> that sounds amazing. What what books are you reading? Well, I just finished a novel called, novel called The Great Alone by Kristen Hanna which is about a family that moves to Alaska um, back in the uh, late 60s during the Vietnam War era. And it's fabulous. The book was so well written that I immediately bought one of her other books, which was a really um, huge bestseller called The Nightingale that somehow I never read. And I'm in the middle of that one right now. And we've got a we've got a list of them stacked up. So uh, at the end of the day, actually, I'm always frustrated that I didn't get to read enough, that I came up with enough stuff to do 
whether on social media or just reading stuff on the internet you know, or watching the news on TV that, you know, the end of the day comes and I haven't read for as long as I wanted to. But uh, part of it is that I don't usually drag myself out of bed till about nine in the morning. Okay. So Eric, you know, Levi and I both have small children. Um, and so I just want, just like, I kind of want to live vicariously through you. <laughs> what, what, what is, yes. tell me, tell me all about this quiet, private time that you're having right now. Like, what does a typical day look like? You said, you know, you roll out of bed around nine o'clock. Um, my kids are still waking up about 645. Um, so we've got, uh, yeah, yeah. So if I want to work out, it's like get up at 615. Like, so it's, there, there's no, there's not a whole lot of extra. Z's going on over here. So I just want to, I'm, this is my meditation. I'm going to close my eyes and I want you to take me through a day and kind of what you're doing. And I just want to, this will be my, my time to, to live through you. All right. On, on an average day, I'll get up between eight thirty and nine and come into the kitchen and make coffee and make a smoothie and uh, feed the dog Kirby. And I'll look at my phone, see if there's anything that requires immediate attention uh, start looking at a couple emails, put the TV on and see if there's anything I absolutely need to know. Uh, then I'll get on the floor in the living room with my second cup of coffee and I'll stretch and play fetch with Kirby for a while. And eventually that will lead to taking him for a walk, usually about 45 minutes. When I get back, then I'll do my workout. We have both an exercise bike and a treadmill in here. So I'll get, you know, 45 minutes to an hour done on that. And then when I'm done with that, I'll usually go to the computer and do a more serious look at emails and stuff. By then it's probably one, one thirty. And then my wife, Jeannie and I'll have lunch together. And when that's done, that's where I have generally about a three hour window to either read or go to my desk and take care of stuff and, you know, do social media and look online again. And then we'll go out and have happy hour usually around 5.30 and maybe have a drink and take Kirby for another walk. And then around 7.30, we usually have dinner and then sit down in front of the TV for uh, two, three hours, and around 11 o'clock, I'd go to bed and start the whole thing over the next day. Somewhere in there, I've mixed in 15 minutes of meditation, usually in that afternoon chunk. And then a couple of days a week, we have an online yoga class at 10 in the morning on Zoom, a Zoom yoga class. Oh, this sounds, so that's what the average day has sounds, been like. And amazing, I don't know Eric. if I can keep... I don't know if I can keep that going for another couple of months like this if we need to, but so far so good. You know, I don't seem to be bored at all. I'm not really uh, in any way suffering from cabin fever. Uh, I get out maybe once a week to go to the grocery store. Um, and that other than that, you know, I'm, I'm staying, I'm staying in other than the walks with the dog. Right on. So, uh, you're doing, you're doing this much better than I am, Eric. I need to just, I've been taking notes over here. Um, I'm going to need to reorganize a few things in my day. Uh, yeah. So you, so you are not making three to four hours a day to just stare at Twitter and get angry. So that's not something that you're doing. Uh, I was for a while 
And I've decided okay. that even though I, I want to be a responsible citizen, I want to know what's going on, you know, with the virus and with everything else. Um, I don't need to know all the things that I've been knowing by watching Twitter as carefully as I was watching it. So I've, I really have backed off in the last few days because I seemed to be finding myself in a near constant state of outrage at the worst and worry at the least. And that wasn't good for my mental health. So I figure knowing a little bit less isn't going to hurt me. Okay. Question. Right, for I'm just going to scratch my outrage worry session off of my daily list. Here and, uh, <laughs> Good idea. Carry on. Yeah. Okay. Carry on. Eric, I'm wondering for you personally, I mean, you're, you, you have, you know, you've started to scale back on your games. Um, you know, you've, you, you, I know you've contemplated retirement, when that will come, what that will look like. Do you think this has accelerated that or decelerated it? It's a really good question. And on the one hand, I can see that I'll be very happy in retirement, you know, especially once we're able to go out again and I can actually go and, you know, hear live music a few days a week and, you know, go to the store without, you know, wearing gloves and a mask and being worried about things. Uh, on the other hand, you know, I don't know how financially this is going to impact all of us. You know, one of the issues with deciding when and whether to retire is, do I have enough money? You know, what if I live to be 100? Do I have enough money? And, you know, we're all going to take some sort of financial hit from this one way or another, whether it's our, you know, retirement plans or or our actual pay. Um, and, you know, that will be a factor and maybe causing me to work a little bit longer. But maybe with more games off, since I seem to be enjoying the time off. You know, it was so weird to go back to work for two weeks, you know, to go to spring training and broadcast a half a dozen games or whatever it was during the time I was there, get a taste of it kind of getting back into the flow, and then all of a sudden have it shut down again and back into off-season mode, and even really, um, you know, more uh, constricted than off-season without, you know, being able to leave the house to do things and without any immediate need really to, to do work, baseball related work, you know, this really is more like retirement because I'm not worrying about, well, we've got the Yankees coming in next week. I need to start figuring out, you know, who they are and what's interesting about them. You know, that all that stuff is so far down the pike that whereas uh, in spring training, you know, I, I was already looking to the first few opponents of the regular season and really paying attention to them. Now, yeah, who knows who our first opponent will be and when. So I'm not doing anything right. like that. I haven't done anything baseball-related uh, other than you know reading the things that come out every day. Now, last week I was really fascinated by the agreement between the owners and the players you know, regarding their pay and their service time you know, and all of that. But there's nothing really that I need to know in order to be able to do my job well once we get started again. Uh, I've got plenty of time to catch up on that. Right on. Hey, so total change of subject, but there was a story that you told me last year in Cleveland about the original Woodstock, <laughs> and it I I it blew my mind. And I was curious if you would mind sharing your uh, your Woodstock story with our with our listeners. Uh, this is one of my best and most embarrassing stories. So you want the short version or the long version? Uh, we've got nothing but time, Eric. Uh, however long you're willing to talk, you just go right on ahead. I guess that's life these days. Okay, so 
1969, that was my uh, freshman year in college, the spring of 1969. So my friends from high school, uh, from Brooklyn, New York, we had all scattered to different schools, <clears throat> but we tended to come home for the summer. And we saw advertising probably in May or June of that year for this festival, this Woodstock festival. And music festivals were not a regular thing back then. And it was a three-day deal. And I'm pretty sure the three-day pass was around $20. And we all bought three-day passes. And we had received our tickets in the mail. And we were so excited because on the advertisements in the newspapers, they listed all these fantastic things that they were going to have there in addition to the music. They were going to have a crafts tent and they were going to have um, all sorts of yoga lessons and face painting. And, you know, it was going to be like a, a big carnival. And we were so excited to go. My friends were all in New York City for the summer, whereas I was staying very close to where the festival would be held because my parents had rented uh, a cabin for the summer, not far from there. And I was staying with my parents. So we agreed that we would all meet on Friday night, first day of the festival at six o'clock at the crafts tent. And I didn't have any sort of camping equipment with me. They all had it and they were bringing it up from New York city. So I just drove over from my parents' cabin, which was less than a half an hour away. And by then we had started seeing reports on the news, you know, that there were going to be a lot more people than the 50,000 or however it was who actually bought tickets. And when I got close, I realized that I was going to have to park pretty far away. So I grabbed a parking place that was maybe a mile away and, you know, walked the 20 minutes or whatever it was to see that, you know, there were no gates, there were no fences, uh, there was nobody taking any tickets. And when I got in there, I could hear the music, you know, Richie Havens was playing. I could hear the music as I was walking up there and I saw this mass of humanity on this gigantic hillside and started thinking, well, I wonder where the crafts tent is. So I'm, <laughs> the crafts I'm, tent. I'm, I'm bubbling around asking if anyone has seen the crafts tent. And of course there was no crafts tent. They I was about to say, did you bring like, did you bring like some art supplies or? <laughs> See, there was nothing like that. None of the things they said there would be, there was room for. So they didn't have any of those things. And so now I'm on a hillside with a couple of hundred thousand people trying to figure out how I'm going to find my friends who have tents and food oh and sleeping bags. So I figure I've got Amazing. a, I've got a certain window of opportunity till it gets dark. And by now it's well past six o'clock because it took, you know, far longer than we expected. And I'm just wandering around and listening to the music and, uh, Richie Havens ended his set and a guy named Bert Summers came on and I'm still wandering around there with, you know, no chance really of finding them, but I'm just kind of stumbling at me, excuse 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 me. And then it started getting dark and then it started raining and then it started raining harder. And I thought, well, you know, what am I going to do? I've got no shelter. I have, I have no friends. 
Did you have booze? I, I, no, I had nothing. I had nothing. Oh, at least booze would have made it a little bit better. I okay, think so. Sorry. Yeah. Um, although there were enough substances going around there, I can't say so much. I just limited it to booze, Eric. <laughs> yeah. I figure we better keep it uh, safe. It would have been impossible to be on that hillside and not be in some way in a mind-altered state. But I figured the smart oh, thing man. for me to do is I'm just going to have to miss the rest of tonight. I'm going to walk back to the car. I'm going to drive back to my parents' cabin. I'm going to sleep there and come back in the morning with my own stuff. You know, I'll, I'll get giant umbrellas and, you know, whatever I can come up with there to come back to spend the rest of the weekend. So that's what I did. And I went to sleep and I woke up in the morning. Meanwhile, my parents had seen on TV everything that was going on there. And they didn't <laughs> like the idea of my going back and being a part of that. So they took the car keys. And it was their car, and they wouldn't give me the car keys back. So I did not Ugh. make I did not make it back. Oh, so I was oh, I'm officially in the record books as the idiot who, who left, left Woodstock, you? the signature cultural event of my lifetime, and I'm the guy who was actually there and left. And especially for someone like you, that's that's you, that's your jam. Like you are the music guy, like. Oh, so what about your friends? Did they end up staying? Did you ever? Yeah, they stayed. They had their tents and their food and their sleeping bags. And they all stayed. They had a little bit extra food and a little extra space (laughs) in their tent. Yeah, they all stayed for the weekend, had an incredible time and all these great stories and saw these amazing bands, you know, which some of which came on at like four in the morning. And I got a chance to see the movie. Oh. Wow. And then Eric, I just texted you. I just texted you what I think might be the advertisement that you're talking about. Um, and if if that's the one that you saw, then I, I'll post it to Twitter later after this okay, goes live. I'll take but, a look at it. Um, I'm I'm reading yeah, here no, one of the one of the ads. Even if it's that's the one. All right, awesome. This is so Crafts Bazaar is one of the headers. If you like creative Nick. Knickknacks and old junk. You'll love roaming around our bazaar. You'll see imaginative leather, ceramic, bead, and silver creations, as well as zodiac charts, camp clothes, and worn-out shoes. That there's an advertisement for worn-out shoes. That's <laughs> it was a yeah. beautiful time. Remarkable. It was a beautiful time. I could have, I could have contributed some of those. <laughs> yeah, and you know this this summer, uh, this past summer, when we were in Cleveland uh, at the Rock and Roll uh, Hall of Fame. Since we were in the 50th anniversary year of Woodstock, uh, they had an entire um, exhibit devoted to Woodstock, and that kind of, wow. <laughs> it was really fascinating, but it also really hurt. And th- they had this ad there, yeah. and uh, in this little form that you cut out to send in to buy the tickets. Um, the amazing thing, though, is of all the people who are involved in this, I think it was six of us, five of my friends and me, not one of us still has our tickets. Even though nobody took really? the tickets, nobody nobody still wow. has them, and that's, that's lost to the sands of time. Yeah, that's one of my my biggest regrets that that somehow I didn't manage to keep the tickets. Because I'm sure a lot of people allege that they were there and they really weren't. You know what I mean, right? Yep, probably yeah. so. Like probably Will so. Chamberlain's like any, one hundred like point game. 
Yeah. Right. And 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 Nolan's seventh no hitter that two hundred fifty thousand people attended at Arlington Stadium. There you go. Yeah. And you have the ticket. Well, had the ticket, and man, that is just. I'm sorry to make you relive the pain, but that is just one of the most remarkable stories. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. So. Thanks. Okay. Yeah. The three day ticket was uh, looks like it was eighteen dollars. Yeah, seven seven dollars each for a one day ticket, and then yeah, uh, eighteen dollars for a three day ticket. Right. So you send a check or money order, and then you include a self addressed stamped envelope, and that's how you get your tickets. And interestingly enough, that's also how I used to buy my tickets to see the Mets and the Yankees. Same way you really? you'd send in a check and a self addressed stamped envelope, and they would mail you your tickets back. You didn't get to select the ticket location. You would tell them what price you wanted. And back in those days, box seats, the best seats were three fifty. That's three dollars and fifty cents. And the reserved mm-hmm. seats, they called them, were two dollars and fifty cents, which were the higher levels. And you would send in your money, and you would tell them, you know, which price you wanted, and you know, approximately where you wanted to sit. And you might even tell them the section number where you wanted to sit, but you didn't always get tickets in that section. And we would buy tickets that way also for the, for the Knicks games and the New York Rangers hockey games. We'd do it by mail and the tickets would come back and, you know, you'd send the money in on a Monday, you'd have the tickets by Friday generally. Wow. I am just old enough to remember self-addressed stamped envelopes. Like there were, you know, box tops from cereal and things like advertisements during local cartoons and, and kids shows and you could send in a self-addressed. In fact, I think I remember that being something like that's how we would try to get baseball players autographs was send in a self-addressed. Yeah. Cause if you, send yeah. It in, I I ever yeah, did you it. take one step out of their hands, they just have to put an envelope and send it much, much higher odds yeah. of, it, of it happening. Yeah. I, and they would actually, yeah. they'd send you back like a baseball card sized photo. Um, and I, I had yeah. actually had this scam going. There was a player named Bob Bruce who, is actually from this area, I think, who pitched for the Astros back then, or the Colt 45s, I think they were called at the time. And his birthday was on my birthday. He was the only major league player born on May 16th at that time. So I sent him a letter telling him he was my favorite player because he was born on my birthday. Could you please send me an autographed picture? And he did. And they even wrote, like, happy birthday or something like that. And I thought to myself, well, he doesn't really know if it's my birthday. So ah. the, next week, the next week, Hank Aaron and Roberto Clemente and Sandy Koufax and a bunch of people like that all got letters telling them that they were born on my birthday. Genius. To look up Did it work? From their baseball card. I knew what their birthday was. And it worked. And I got Genius. autograph cards back from all of those people. Wow. Genius, Eric. Wow, that's amazing. Good little tip for any young listeners out there. Well, Eric, we appreciate you so much. Story time with Eric. This has been the best. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah. And keep keep enjoying that three-hour block where you really can't find a whole lot to do. And, yeah, that meditation. Every now and then then I'll crank out a limerick during that block. There there you go. The next day, so. Yeah. All right. All right, Eric. Stay well. Well, we would. Oh, hey, before, before he takes off, I want to, um, I want to, Tell everyone about like so tonight. Eric has helped uh, organize a an online open mic night to help uh, opening bell in Dallas. It's a coffee shop that hosts live music, and Eric is going to be doing a ten minute set of limericks at six thirty p.m. Central Time, 
And, uh, and I will also be playing a 10 minute set of music at 9.40 PM. So if you want to go, um, help opening bell coffee stay in business, Eric, do you remember the, the, their, their handle on Instagram? I'm looking for it right now. Um, I think that the, uh, it's OBC, uh, I'll find it right now. OBC open mic, I think is what they're using okay. now to, uh, sign on. Oh, let me see it right now. Okay. OBC Open Mic. OBC Open M-I-C. OBC Open M-I-C. But you can go to the thing to buy tickets. Go to their website. The tickets are $5, and it's a four-hour show. Uh, we have Griffin House playing, uh, David Ramirez, um, Becky Middleton, Remy Riley, and uh, we're going to do this every Tuesday night. So uh, these are going to be really good shows, and it'll help keep opening Bell alive. Awesome work, both of you guys. Fantastic. Thanks again, okay. Eric. We so appreciate I'll see you it. tonight, Levi. Yeah, we'll see, we'll, well, I'm doing air quotes. We'll see you tonight. Right, be well, guys. You Nothing like a little uh, story time with Eric to get us through these crazy, strange times. Uh, we'll be here uh, every Tuesday. God willing, um, to hopefully provide you guys a little bit of levity, um, hopefully more baseball as it comes down the pike, but, uh, we're all in this together and, uh, just keep on keeping on, right? We'll do our best. Yeah. We'll see you guys all next week. And, um, I don't know. What's the, what's the Emily outro? Later, later taters. taters. Are we, are we yeah. to later? Later. Later. Bye. Taters. <laughs>